Welcome to Courtside Moms. I'm your host, Wendy Sparks. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking to Xanthia Radish, the awesome mother of Cam Radish of the Atlanta Hawks. So let's just get to it and bring Xanthia on the show. Thank you, Xanthia, for coming on the show. I really appreciate you giving us some of your time so we can learn all about your baby Cam. Well, thank you. So excited to be here. So, yay. (laughs) Before we start, I was looking at our boys' names and I was like, oh, we have some similarities. You know, you have Cam and you have Cam. And then I was looking at his middle name, Elijah, which is the middle name of my second son, Dre. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. <laughs> I was like, yes. that's awesome. Yes, yes, yes. So I thought I'd just put that out there, just like that. Yeah. Yes, love that, love that. Good. So take us to the beginning to when and how basketball became um, an important part of Cam's life. So honestly, if we're talking about when it started, mm-hmm. it literally started when he was born. And it's not an exaggeration. Cam's dad plays basketball and it's we spent a lot of our time just in basketball, period. Um, so he was playing, I think at the time, he was in a 30 and over league in Philly, in Finley. And when Cam was just weeks old, like weeks old, we would be in the gym. That's where I was with him. So Cameron was with me and he was there Um So it started at the very, very beginning. Obviously, he wasn't playing at that time. But I do think it's really funny that once he got to be just a few months old, you know how they say when babies are young, they can't really even see things clearly? His little head used to follow the action. It was the craziest thing. Um, And I'm like, now, I know you don't know that that's your daddy. You're just following the whole back of people. But I thought it was really cool. So he started really when he was a baby. But... Um, that's watching basketball. But as far as playing, literally, since he was a toddler, he he was playing. Uh, but he he started playing in an organized league at four years old at the YMCA. Um, he was playing on the six-year-old four team as a four-year-old. So, and that's when we knew, like, this guy really might have some real talent so- at four. With dad playing basketball, did he coach Cameron at one point? Oh, absolutely. So Bob, um, Coach Bob, we call him, was his their first coach, both boys' first coach. And with Cam, we immediately got a basketball court for him when he was like, it was literally a one-year-old. Um, and two-year-old, you know, the little, little um, what do you call them? Uh, the goals, like the nets? Yeah, the little tights or yeah. something um, where they grow with you. They go up to like six foot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so he's had one of those since he was a little guy. And Bob was always coaching. You know, you got to do this. You got to do that. We have like old footage of him trying to teach him and, and, and Cameron trying to learn. So, yeah, it started really um, early on. But as organized, he did so when he started playing at elementary school age. Um, all the way up through middle school. And he stopped coaching him once he got into high school. Uh, we talk a little bit about about that in, in the work that we do. But, yeah, he, he stopped once he got to high school. Do you guys ever look back at all that film that you have of him playing when he was a little, a little tyke? <laughs> we really look more at um, 
football footage than we do basketball <laughs> footage. But yeah, we it, it's sometimes fun to watch. Just looking at old pictures with, from the organized sports right. where we grew up in Pennsylvania, there were township programs that we could play in, that he could play in, and it was just a lot of fun. You know, it started really early. This tribal thing started early. Of course. So let's move forward to high school. Where did he go, and was basketball a dominant sport in that school? So Cameron started his high school career at Haverford, at the Haverford School in um, Pennsylvania, and he had been there since middle school, transitioned there through um, ninth grade. And what was really exciting about that was he was able to play varsity basketball as an eighth grader, which was a big deal. Um, And so he really enjoyed that school. And at 10th grade, I think, yeah, it was 10th grade, he ended up transitioning to West Town. And he did that um, because it made sense for him from a basketball perspective. Uh, The basketball coach at Haverford School was transitioning to another program. He was leaving the school altogether. And we didn't know whether or not basketball would be as important to the school. Because Haverford was really traditionally a lacrosse school. And because we knew that was really important for Cameron to continue on the trajectory he was, we decided to look at other school opportunities. And we had, we were very fortunate at that time, he already was pretty well known as a top player since he had gotten recognized all the way back in middle school. We had opportunities to go to pretty much any school in the country. Uh, We had schools calling, prep schools calling us from all different parts of the country and things like that. We just weren't comfortable as a family sending him away. Right. At that time. But we ended up transitioning him to Westtown School, which was a boarding school um, because it gave the boarding school opportunity. So he got to go away to school, but it also was only 30 minutes from our house. So it was a win win. And they had an up and coming basketball program with uh, some players who would who are now uh, in the league, along with your son. so yeah he went to school with uh with mo with mo bamba yes he and mo bamba went to west town together and in fact mo was one of the main reasons why cameron selected west town as a school Uh, just some of the things he shared about the program and also the potential to play with other high level talent like mo Right. was really inviting for him. So West Town was a, it was a good it was a good experience. It was it was not without its ups and downs, but all of those things prepared him for what was next. It's always good to have a resource or another child, you know what I mean? Or you know what I mean, somebody that's playing who's within that program, who's attending that school, because you know, you sort of want that testimony. Right. Because it's so hard when you're yeah. when you're transitioning schools and you're not sure, oh, is this going to be the right program for my son? Is he going to like right. it? Is he, you know what I mean? Is he going to be happy at that school? It is so tough when, when our kids make all these changes. So it's good that you had another player there that was able yeah. to tell you, you know what, this is a school and how it's working for him. You know what I mean? You would just hope that that would translate onto to Cam as well. Yeah. So what was it like to see him play at, at West Town? And was it different from um, Harvard? Is it Harvard? It's Haverford. Yeah. Haverford. And it was very, <laughs> they were both independent schools, but the experience was different. Um, West Town started to get a little bit more notoriety, especially with Mo Bamba being a year ahead of Cameron. So it was, um, 
it became the thing to do in that community. And it was a much smaller gym. So it would actually like pack out and you had to get there early to get a seat and things like that. So it was um, a good deal of, of fun. And we had a national schedule. So we got to go to, we traveled to other programs, um, you know, tournaments outside of our state, which was, which was great. And for a high school experience. Yeah. So it was good. So Cam played, um, he was named the McDonald's All-American. He played the Jordan Brand Classic, um, Nike Hoop Summit. So at that point, when you're seeing, you're seeing your son, you know what I mean? He's now developing into his own self, his own player. Were you sold at that time saying, you know what, I think now, you know, he has some sort of potential to move forward and, and play basketball at a high level? You know, by the time we get to McDonald's All-American and all those things, yeah, you you yeah. have an idea that, okay, you know, if he's getting this kind of attention, it may Absolutely. really be some truth to um, those predictions that he's going to be a professional ball player. But it was really exciting. Like, those were really, really exciting times. We had watched Mo go through those things the year before. Huh. So we had that to anticipate um, going toward. So really exciting. Had so much fun at those games. Really, my heart goes out to those guys who, because of COVID, weren't able to participate Peyton, in those events yeah. as they had traditionally been held because uh, they were just exciting times. So to watch him, you know, begin to really be his own and, and play against the best was really, really exciting um, and, and, and difficult at times, too, because yeah. we didn't always win each game and, and, and things like that. But it was a lot of fun. He got to know a lot of the players. Uh, we look at now when we're watching uh, in the league, just watching our son played against so many guys that he played against in high school. It's really, really cool. Really cool to see. You know, I'm sitting here thinking about you saying all this. And my son played McDonald's All-American, too. However... I didn't have anybody else to refer to prior years. You know what I mean? I was like, wait a minute. And I'm only now realizing this. I don't think I've watched ever a McDonald's All-American game prior to my son um, being named an all, a McDonald's All-American because wow. I didn't know anybody. There was nobody in high schools in Canada that played that wow. we knew of that actually played. Could have been, but um, what I'm saying is we, it was not heard of, right? So I'm like, wait a minute. I've never watched a game until I watched it live with my son on the court. Wow. Yeah. Just yeah. So <laughs> it, it just goes to show, like, yeah. it is really valuable to have sure. someone who's gone before you give you information, advice, all those kinds of things. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, it helps. yeah, <laughs> Cam was one of the top players in his class. So let's talk about his college recruitment. How many schools, if you can remember, approached you? Who was involved in that decision, and how did you narrow it down to, say, your top two? Well, I wish I could say I really remember. Cameron yeah. may remember exactly how many schools it was. But what I can tell you is, for sure, it was a lot. Yeah. It was a lot of schools. Uh, Cam was very blessed. He got recognized in sixth grade um, as, a, as, as a member of a John Lucas camp. Mm -hmm. And from that time, he was considered a top 10 prospect from that time all the way through high school, college, and, and then going into the league. So that was really beneficial for him. So because of that, we had lots of schools that were interested. Right. Uh, I think he got his first offer uh, in, in Pennsylvania 
he got his first offer, I think, was Penn State, hmm. Penn State in eighth grade. So from there, it just kind of there were a bunch of them, local schools and things like that. I do remember when we got down to our final five, I want to say mm-hmm. it was like Kentucky, Duke, UConn, um, UCLA. And I want to say maybe Arizona. Got some good schools there. You know, all pretty pretty big programs yeah. that were um, recruiting him. And I just remember thinking like, wow, what a blessing it is to have all of these schools. And I remember that that first year, um, the, the first weekend when they could come out and visit your home. Yeah. And all of them were calling us to come and they wanted to be at our house yeah. that very first night. It was so amazing. And one weekend... Um, Duke came, Kentucky came, Villanova came, all to our house. Like I was preparing meals for each of those yeah. things. So it was just, it was just an exciting, exciting time and scary. You know, it was like, what's yeah. what's happening here? But it was, it was really, really exciting. But so the college recruitment process was was really, really, it was intense. I would say, yeah. uh, hearing from all those different schools and things like that. So like you, we had to really weigh our options and think yeah. about what was going to be best for him uh, in terms of his college career. Of course, because at the end of the day, as a mom, you're sending your child away. Right. You're sending them away mm-hmm. and you're hearing coaches telling you all these wonderful things about your child and what he's going to do for their program and how they're going to use them. And it's interesting uh, because we had to have some real conversations about how realistic some of the things that we were being told mm-hmm. were. For instance, I remember thinking about one program telling us how they were going to, um, Cameron was a a projected one and done. And um, some of the schools that were recruiting him were not schools that traditionally had one and done players. Mm. But the coach was contending that he was going to alter his program uh, to allow for that to be the case. Well, when we talked about it as a family and we were prayerful about it, we thought, hmm, are you really going to change your program for my child? Right. Listen very closely to what coaches are saying. Because that's not necessarily going to be what happens once they get you in the program. Absolutely. So we, we did not elect to go to that program. Oh, and that's good that you knew, you know what I mean, what to look for. Like, for example, your husband had previously played um, for VCU. So yeah. although things changed since then, he was still aware of the ins and outs of pro basketball. So has that helped Cam's trajectory in any way? I, I think it has. I mean, I think, you know, as a family, we spend a lot of time really being strategic and thoughtful about the processes, all of our decisions. Right. Um, and I think Bob having had that experience right. as a player, number one, knowing what it was going to take to play at a Division One program, Mm-hmm. Uh, but not just that. I remember even in our conversations that we would have with different colleges and things like that, we were able to delve into deeper conversation because of his experience as a player. I think the coaches felt more comfortable being yeah. able to assume that Bob got what they were saying, yeah. understood where where they were going. And, and I had been studying all the while, so I also knew kind of what to, to anticipate, even though I didn't play right. uh, ball in college. Well, no, but I mean that you know, I mean, as your mom, you know, you 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 got to fill in the role and say, listen, hold on, this is this is, dad has a role, mom has a role, you know what I mean. But the common goal is to get our son safely where he needs to be. 
So it's good that you, that's right. So it's good that you, um, you put yourself in the mix. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I I definitely, I was right in there. Our family, we're really, really, really tight. And when it comes to education, that's my lane since I'm an educator. Um, So that's, I'm always going to be a part of those conversations, but in particular, it, it happened to be a bonus kind of to your point that Bob had that experience with playing at the basketball level. And I had the experience on the education side. Right. So the marriage of the two was, was quite a happy matrimony. Yeah. And that's good because not all parents have that. Right. I mean, for myself and Kim's dad, we both didn't know anything about it, but we both diligently worked to get that, you know what I mean, to, to get Kim where he needed to be. I mean, it was myself and Kim's dad and, and Kim's stepmom and just the trio of us, you know what I mean? We found out as much information as we could as a family, you know, because I mean? we understood. It's like, no, Kim needs to get there. Let's do what we have to to get Kim where he needs to be. And it was just, yeah. it was, yeah, we have to. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's Kim, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's our son, And I just feel blessed that I had those two um, alongside with me. You know what I mean? People used to say it's a weird dynamics, but to me and for us, we're family. Exactly. And And what makes perfect sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, And it really does take a village. It does. A small village, you know, whomever it might be in your group, if you would. So you had your, your, his father and and their supporting family. We did too. It, It definitely takes all of you putting together your, your thoughts, um, having conversations and helping the, your son figure out what yeah. to do. I mean, for Cam, he's just a kid who loves the hoop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So at the end of the day, I didn't want him to be stressing over this. We had conversations about it so we could be strategic about this. Too. And I love how you said um, a small village, cause you're absolutely right. At oh, the yeah. end, you've got to be careful. You can't let anybody and everybody you know what I mean? Find that path for your child because everybody has so much to say, but they know nothing and they become they have these opinion. pros. There you go. And they become these pros exactly. that stuff that they never had anything to do with before. So you're right when you say that small village, you keep certain people at arm's length and some other people you bring closer to you. So kudos to you, mom, for knowing that your village had to be tiny. Thanks. <laughs> so your choice was Duke where he played alongside uh, Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, Trey Jones. So bring us to those games. What was it like at Duke? I'm telling you, uh, I don't think there is an experience that can compare to it in terms of a college basketball experience. I don't think there's anything comparable. It was amazing. Uh, We were very fortunate. It was a... It was a unique year. I think even Duke would say it was a unique year for them, even though Coach K has coached there for decades. It was a different experience having those three players uh, alongside with Trey come into the program together, being the highest recruited class um, ever uh, in terms of being the one number one, two, and three prospect coming out of high school, all committing to the same program. So it was, it was awesome. They are all great players, and interestingly, all of them are in the league Amen. now. All four of them yes. are playing in the league, so that's exciting. Yes. So it's great to ha- that they have each other even now to be able to connect with and share experiences about what they're going through in the league. But it was great. The Cameron Crazies are 
like no other. That <laughs> that gym physically moves with all of the energy it, 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 that, that comes forth. So it was amazing. Again, my heart goes out to families now with COVID who don't get to have the traditional right. Cameron experience like we did. Yeah. I'm saying Cameron Stadium, not just Cameron Reddish experience, you know? Yeah, so, so yeah, so it was true. amazing. It was really, really amazing. And I know a lot of people wanted us to go farther and there was certain things that happened throughout the program, but I wouldn't change it. Of course not. You know what? You can never change your path, right? Your path is your path. And yeah. there's decisions made along the way. So we always just got to be proud of our decisions. Like you don't know what will happen until you actually do it. Yeah. And so, in the, the lessons, I feel like there were amen. there were lessons learned. And, and I, I promise you, I would not have written the script exactly the way right. that it was. If I was writing his life story, I would have definitely made some of the uh, processes a little easier. There wouldn't have been any injury. There For wouldn't sure. have been... But we would have won the whole thing, all of these things, but that wasn't what God allowed. However, those are the things that God used to prepare him for his transition into the league. So I'm I'm grateful for it. Absolutely. In college, Cam's popularity grew tremendously, and it was obvious that professional basketball was going to be a big part of his life. How did you at that time filter the fame that came along with being a professional uh, player? You know... I, I I always say that Kim was like a, a different kind of kid. Um, I I didn't have to do very much to filter that. That's Kim. That literally is who he is as a person. Uh, he's a kid who literally he I, I he just wants to hoop. Yeah. And he's always just wanted to play basketball. He is. I've never met another person who was as hyper-focused on basketball as his path as my son. Wow. From the time he was a little person, a toddler, I don't know of anything else that he really, really loves. Yeah. So the going to Duke, seeing him on the trajectory to be a professional, uh, making all those connections there, picking up all of the fans that come along with going to a big program like that. It's just been awesome. I really, I mean, it's been great. What about the girls? What about the girls? <laughs> you know, the gir- girls, I, again, you get all those experiences mm-hmm. that come along with this world. Yep. Um, I, I feel like Duke was a great prelude to the NBA yeah. because they did have a lot of access. There was a lot of media attention. There was a lot of things in the press about them. There were a lot of fans, female and male, mm-hmm. that came along with that. So I think that having that time there, although it was short, he was only there for one year, right. it was a good way to prepare him for for this level. The, the women are there. They, I mean, they were there. They're always going to be there. Amen. But he was able to make some special connections at Duke that he still has right now. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Let's talk about the adversities that he faced um, while playing um, with Duke, because I believe he suffered an, a knee injury. Yeah. And how did that Cam, affect him? Cam went through a, a lot of things at Duke. Um, even from the very beginning, uh, he he had been dealing with some groin issues. He got a groin 
uh, issue that was stemming over from, I guess, probably from like high school, but was re-aggravated once he first got to Duke. So all throughout the season, the, he always dealt with scoring issues that entire season. Right. Um, but but uh, but the public wasn't really privy to that. Um, he had a broken rib uh, that he played with for part of the season that we didn't make. Uh, I don't think we got very much publicity. Uh, he did have a knee issue that was particularly prob- problematic when we got into the um, ACC tournament and things like that. So there were just a lot of a lot of challenges he dealt with. Uh, it was difficult for him being that far away from home, yeah. not so much for Cameron as much as it was for the rest of our family. Yeah. Uh, I think Cameron was going through his transitions as many college freshmen do, you get there, it's a different experience. And then that's coupled with all that's going along with this highly touted basketball program. But in addition to that, I was in Pennsylvania, you know, our younger son there, we're, we're trying to make sure Cam's good in North Carolina, making sure that Aaron's good in Pennsylvania. It was a real juggle and struggle. Yeah. And we, we I, I mean, I think people don't necessarily know that there are those challenges that come along with it. You, you turn on the TV, you see them playing and you think everything's great. But Cam had, he dealt with a lot of, a lot of things, injuries and all kinds of things that were, that were tough, but they made him stronger, right? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Amen, so, amen. I mean, he, got, he went to college and he got strong. <laughs> <laughs> and you're right when you say people don't really know. Like you said, they you, they just turn on the TV and there you go and voila, you know what I mean? There's this fantastic basketball player, but they really don't understand what goes on in the, in you know what I mean in the background. Like you said, there's yeah. there's these physical injuries and sometimes there's so much mental stress. I mean, so these kids are stress. young, right? And they're like, no, they just want to win. I gotta win. We got we need championships, and that's all they think about. And when they get injured or something happens. It's traumatic for them, and right. they just don't know how to deal with it because they probably never had to deal with a lot of these things before, right? So it's right. It, it's a lot to deal with. It really, really is. And that's when that village becomes really important. That's right. Finding out who you need to talk to and yeah. how you can get some of the resources to support you right. through whatever you're going through. And Cam was really fortunate because he did have us, his village, but he also had the coaching staff that right. he could – you know, talk to and, and give them direction. So it was, it was not without challenge, but we made it. Right. So, so Cam was a one and done. The decision came along in April um, of 2019 to declare. How did your family help Cam get ready now for the draft? Um, well, at that point I had already, I had, once I knew that Cameron was on a trajectory to become a pro, I began studying to be a sports agent. So I had known what the process was. So in terms of timing, people were like, well, when did you know? And how did you decide? It was pretty much a no brainer. Um, If your child is a projected lottery pick, timing is everything. Bye-bye. We're going to declare. So we went into the draft and we began to do the, go through the process of hiring um, representation and things like that to once we declared and and then building his team his professional team that that now currently supports him as he's he's in the league so I mean it was pretty much we had to make a decision and we we started doing our interviewing and and coming up with an, an agency and and the, the university helped a little bit with that as well oh okay 
So that year, Duke had three top draft picks. Did you ever have a conversation with Coach uh, K about how to prepare Cam for his next step as a professional basketball player? Uh, I don't recall actually having a specific conversation with Coach K about that, except when we talked about his decision to actually um, to actually go into the draft, to actually right. declare. Right. Uh, but he didn't actually necessarily give advice as to what to do. Just kind of, um, again, I, I already had the background. It was kind of a, this is what we're, we're planning on doing, you know. Yeah. This, this is how it goes. So we didn't, we didn't necessarily get advice as to what to do or how to do it. Uh, he was supportive of, of the decision, so. But it's good that you knew what to do, whereas some parents... Like we just keep saying, um, some parents have no idea. So the coach, right. you know what I mean? Sometimes they're like, well, let me ask the coach. The coach is the best person to ask because they've groomed my child for for this period, whatever, it was a year, two years or whatever. And now it's like, what do we do next? So a lot of people just have no idea. So it's good, like you said, that you took it upon yourself to to really involve and do that investment in CAM and in the, and in the process and say, you know what, like I'm, I'm going to study and see what it is because – this is this is your your son's future. This is your family's future. Exactly. Yeah, and, and and those are big decisions. So yeah, it was it was important. And again, we were a family that we did a lot of ours on our own. We did not. Uh, while the university, oftentimes when you go to some of the bigger universities, they'll weigh in. They'll give you space that you can have your meetings in and things like that. So we were just very territorial about the process and wanted to keep our decisions closer to our chest um, as we were going throughout it. And again, everybody handles it differently, but we were being strategic along that, that, that process. And we, as we talk to families who are going through this process as well, we, we encourage them to be strategic. So bring us to draft night. Let's talk about your experience in the green room and what did you observe about the families around you? You know, draft night was amazing. It, it was, it was such a wonderful night. As, as I mentioned, you know, over time, you get to know a lot of the players yeah. throughout different programs, different schools, all those kinds of things. You either played them or you knew them across the circuit in AAU, et cetera. So spending that time at the draft during that week, you, you're spending time with the other families. So draft night in particular, everybody's dressed to impress them. We're all going into this situation Excited and stressed as all get out because it doesn't, I know, you know, even, even for Zion, who was a projected number one pick, you don't know until the name is called, Yeah, you know, so we didn't know exactly what number we would go. We had some idea, but we didn't know what exact number he would go. So it was a wonderful night, but it was nerve wracking. I will admit, I was stressed, um, but I was dressed to impress while I was stressed. <laughs> <laughs> I did look good. She's like, I was cute. <laughs> I was cute. Amen. I mean, it must have been so exciting for you guys because here you had Zion that went number one, and then you had R.J. Barrett number three, and then you're just sitting there waiting. For the wait. Yes, let's talk about the, the wait. wait. You I, had to wait seven it, more names to hear your, your child's name. And here's the thing. You know, again, you don't know until you know, yeah. right? Yeah. There were multiple conversations. 
He could have gone to several different teams because obviously if they go one and three, there's four all the way down to 10. When they get to Cameron, he could have gone anywhere in there. And interestingly, it was it was challenging. It was it was difficult because you didn't know when you were going to be called. And we expected him to go higher. He was projected to go higher than 10. Mm. So for him not to go then, then you really are questioning yourself. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, you know, you don't really know when your name is going to be called. And you're just prayerful that whatever situation you go into is the one that you want. And interestingly, Cam was blessed enough to be drafted to the Atlanta Hawks, we really wanted Atlanta. So we were happy that he was going. Now, would we have wanted him to go higher in number? Absolutely. Well, of course we wanted him to go higher. Again, I told you, if I had written the script, I would have written it differently. Yeah. <laughs> however, however, in hindsight, fast forward, he's in year two now. I'm grateful that he was positioned to go when he did and, and where he did. I'm really happy with where he is at uh, at the Hawks and with his development in particular and the situation that he walked into was one in which where he could grow into learning because he was so young going in, just like, you know, some of the other guys. I wanted to make sure he had an opportunity to develop some. So I'm, I'm thinking it worked out the way God meant it to work out. And it wasn't meant for me to write the script. <laughs> Absolutely. There's only one way. So all we have to do is accept the way and just manage it the way it's supposed to be. Right. Yep. I believe that year was the first time I want to say since 2007, where you had um, three draft picks uh, within top 10. I believe it was uh, Duke was. Yeah, was the first time I think since 2007 or 2009. I have to look that up again. I don't wow. remember. But yeah, wow. well, I mean, we're just glad to have been a part. There yeah. you go. Amen. <laughs> I don't remember the other school, but. So just so people understand what happens once a player is drafted, tell us what happens next, like right after draft. So draft night itself is a very long night. If you're if you're a lottery pick, I mean, people just assume like, oh, it, it's great. If you watch the draft, you know it goes on for a couple more hours. Well, that's actually happening as well at the draft. So we had celebration. We had a celebration that night um, that we had planned for camp that was off-site in New York. Uh, so we had a lot of our friends and family because we live so close to New York. We were able to send a busload up to that site, and they were able to have a viewing party there. Nice. And we had some family members at the actual draft in the green room with us. But after that, you're doing Cam's doing a lot of interview and media and all those kinds of things. And it's really a pretty long, exhausting night. And then you go and you celebrate however you deem it celebrate. And we, we did. We went to the party. And then Cameron went off to his own little party after that. And then the team, depending on which team you go to, every program treats it differently. But for us, Cameron was drafted along with DeAndre Hunter in the top 10. And they were both from the Philadelphia area. So we had to, we waited a day before we went uh, to Atlanta. We didn't actually go to Atlanta until Sunday. Uh, we oh got to go home on Friday. We didn't go to Atlanta until Sunday to uh, meet up with the team and everything like that. So then once you get to meet your team, depending on how your program works, you connect with some different people, you have some meetings, and then your child 
is pretty much set up to be able to stay in that location and, and figure out what's next in terms of, of the team. Practice schedules, they get a hotel room or, or a place to stay, et cetera. So it, it kind of goes pretty quickly from there, although you don't actually see anything happening in the season until in the fall. Right. Hmm. See, that's very interesting for me. So th- these things I don't know, right? So I have no yeah. idea what happened after draft. Like, where do they go? What do they do? How long is it between getting drafted to they're actually, you know what I mean, with their teammates and the first practice? Well, some people, yeah, some teams left that night. Some teams, that, that team will charter that player right from the draft that night. Really? Uh, other teams will take them the next day. Some people send you coach. Or our first class or whatever. Some some teams send their their team jet. Like it just depends on the actual program. Yeah. Our situation was unique, like I said, in that we had two top ten players that were um, in the draft. Uh, so that was that was a unique situation. And then they're going to their city because they're preparing really quickly to go to summer league. Right. Which That's is just true. a few weeks later. That's true. And Cameron had had surgery uh, right before the draft. So he was not able to participate. He wasn't able to play in, in uh, summer league, but he was able to go. So we were able to go and enjoy all those festivities. And then from there, I mean, they're they're getting setting up residency in their new city, and they're starting to to practice and everything from that to prepare for the start of the season. Well, you and your family moved to Atlanta. Were you prepared to move no matter where Cam ended up, or was moving to Atlanta like an impulse decision? Uh, we were planning to move wherever. Every Everyone's situation is different. And I would say uh, that you really have to examine your situation, your family dynamic, and whether or not you're able to, to do that. Uh, sure. For us, it was absolutely the best decision. We, uh, we moved from Pennsylvania to Atlanta within a month because school was starting the following month for my younger son. Right. So it was a very quick transition. Uh, and we have now set up permanent permanent residency in Atlanta. We love it here. It's a great city. Uh, so it, it made sense for our family. Cam was young. Yeah. Moving into the city, we had also had the experience of him being far away yeah. just for that one year at Duke. And because of the dynamics that it had on our family, it made sense for us to go wherever he was going. And we're just thankful to God it happened to be Atlanta. Let's now get to his first season in the NBA. What did Cam have to do mentally to prepare himself to play on this level amongst vets and pros who he once idolized as an amateur player? Yes. Um, you know, the transition is, is tough. Uh, I, I would say every transition is tough from middle mm-hmm. school to high school, high school to middle. Sure. I mean, high school to college, college to the NBA, professional mm-hmm. realms. There are, there are definite jumps in each of those. And so uh, for Cameron, especially having come off an injury and not having the benefit of being able to play and practice with the team and getting in that camaraderie and that those, that chemistry during summer league, he didn't right. get that opportunity. So as you can imagine, for anyone, I'm certain that he went through moments where he was questioning himself and whether how he would be able to play and perform he didn't say that to me, but it's just natural that that would be the case, uh, especially when you're coming off injury and you're going into this new space 
where it's faster, uh, different vocabulary, where it's much more physical. I mean, it, it was a, a huge transition. So Cam had to really make sure that he was in prayer. Uh, we are we are a believing family. And so he had to lean a great deal on his faith throughout that uh, transition. And he continues to do so as he, he learns his way through this lead. It's a process. Absolutely. I mean, as mentioned earlier, Cam went to Duke um, with three of the biggest names in college basketball. Did that prepare him for his role in the NBA, adjusting to not being the star of the team? I think it did. Again, uh, one of the main reasons why Cameron chose Duke in the first place um, was in particular because of the caliber of players he would play alongside of. He wanted to play against the best. Right. He had had experience playing against top-level talent, as we talked about with Mo and other players who have um, who are continuing to play in college, you know, Jake and all those folks. Uh, but he also had the benefit of playing with these guys in EYBL, so he knew a lot of the top-level guys. Because of that, he wanted to play against the best. That's the only way you get better. That iron sharpens the iron. Yeah. So he got that benefit of that experience at Duke. And I do think it was preparation for the experience at, at Atlanta because you come in and you're not the, the you know latest and greatest. You have to figure it out. You've yeah. got to uh, figure out the speed and, and the physicality of the game. That was an adjustment for him. He really struggled early on. Yeah. His first part of the season, whew, we had some prayerful, prayerful <laughs> nights. Cam started coming into his own in March, averaging 18 points with such efficiency. And then COVID hit and games stopped. That ended up being the end of the Hawks' season as they did not play in the bubble when basketball resumed. What was that time like for Cam to be off for so many months, and what did he do to stay in shape? You know, COVID could not have come at a worse time for us because, as you were mentioning, you know, Cam, he was starting to come into his own. Yeah. He had, as I mentioned, a really difficult start to the season, but he was figuring it out. Pieces were falling together, and he, was, he, he had figured it out by March. He was ready. He was going in. Uh, and unfortunately, like you said, COVID brought the season to a halt. And being in Atlanta, which was still a newer city for us, made that an even greater challenge uh, because he didn't have a basketball court in his, uh, his condo. Right. So he didn't have access to play. Uh, and the team, the Hawks were amazing, helping them with, you know, getting different pieces of equipment and things like that for their personal residences, but he still didn't have a basketball court. Right. So for months, you're not able to shoot for a kid who only, only wants to hoop. Yeah. That was a real challenge. Uh, so he, like everyone else in the league, had to do what they could to stay conditioned. Uh, so they had regular uh, sessions with the team. And he was able to participate in, with the, in those and he was able to do what he could at his own residence. But it was it was really, really challenging. It was it was a tough, tough time mentally and physically for those guys. Absolutely. As parents, we get to build such a healthy network with other parents of basketball players, because sometimes our kids play in high school and then college together and they all end up playing in the NBA or within another professional basketball circuit. 
Do you ever reach out to those parents for advice or to offer advice or just to congratulate them on their child's success? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, this space that we're in, we are so honored and blessed to be in it. And we are members of a very elite group. Yeah. Um, very few get the opportunity to be a part of it. So I absolutely, I, I, I love my sisters. I love Wendy. <laughs> I love you, Carol. I love you too. Um, yes. <laughs> so it's, it's great to be able to connect with other families. Absolutely. And yes, we do. We share advice all the time. It's actually what we do as our business, as a family, because of all the experience that we have had collectively. And, uh, we share as much as we can to help families along the way because it's tough. It's yeah. tough. These, these these are uncharted waters for, for most people. Yeah. So it's a blessing to be able to be able to share and help others along the way. Well, as you know, a couple of mothers, a few mothers, and we talk often. And like you're saying, we share a lot. And that's it, it's just to me, it's such a blessing. You know what yeah. I mean? I learned lessons from mothers as yourself, you know what I mean? And and you just to me, I just love, absolutely love spending time because there's so much that our boys do that, you know what I mean, is is yeah. some ways it's a little bit different, but the end results, sometimes it's the same. Like, you know what I mean? Like if we're talking about injuries and how it affected Cam and it, it's a big thing. It's a right. huge thing. And just to hear how other mothers, um, their perspective of what their sons or daughters um, go through, you know, what I mean, it's a big thing. So I, I appreciate the conversations that we have as moms, uh, whether yeah. it's, you know, on courtside moms or off courtside moms. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, so do I, I, yeah. I definitely, you yeah. know, we need each other. No. So and I appreciate great. your input all the time. You're always there. No, thanks. What is the one thing that you would like him to get out of playing for the Hawks? Uh, I would like Cameron to grow into Cameron. Yeah. Cam, Cam, uh, Cameron that he wants to be. Right. You know, like what God has called him to do to be. This is it's, it's a different situation for Cam than some other players. Again, he's he's walking in his calling. This is what he was put on earth to do. And so it's about growing and being the best Cam he can be on that court and off. And I've seen him already start to develop. So my prayer is that he has a, a long, long, successful career and that this is just the start of something amazing. Absolutely. So as a mother, our jobs are to nurture our children's gifts. What role do you play to assist Cam throughout his career? Well, so we... Uh, as a family, we have uh, a business. So, so yes. when I say we, I would say I have a pretty integral role in his uh, his being a professional basketball player. Uh, we are the, I'm the CEO of his company. I, I run his company. Uh, and I also have a company called Empowered, yep. where we work with other families who have children who are student athletes. And we help them meet their goals and transition to the next level, starting in all the way down in fifth grade, going all the way up to the pros, because we have experience with all of that. So we share that. But in addition to having the experience, we also, as I mentioned earlier, my husband spent a great deal of time coaching. 
I spent a great deal of time, 18 years as a school principal, uh, and, and, and we're also both certified life coaches. So we used all of our experiences, talents, and credentials to kind of help other families figure out their course. And it's different. Like you said, everybody's journey is different. Absolutely. But you've learned a lot about professional sports and the importance of getting a great education while pursuing an athletic career. There are many parents that have talented kids but have absolutely no idea where to begin. So please tell us where can people learn more about Empowered, um, whether it's online or what social media platforms are you on? So Empowered, we spell it very differently. So I want you to make sure you have the correct spelling. We spell Empowered with an I Mm -hmm. and two Ds. And the two Ds is a play on our last name. But the I really stands for the individual uh, who is able to participate in our program. So when you walk away from working with us at Empowered, which is a consulting firm, you can truly say I'm powered with the knowledge and information I need to have my child be successful. So Empowered, we have a website, uh, www.empowered, with an I, I I-M-P-O-W-E-R-E-D-D.com. And you can go on that website and you can sign up for a free consultation. Uh, It's free. It doesn't cost you anything to have an initial consultation to talk about what your particular situation is because everyone is different. And what Empower does is we go to different programs, schools, AAU programs, et cetera. We talk about the recruitment process and NCAA requirements and all those kinds of things. But in in addition to speaking, we work with families individually to help them chart their course whatever that is, and whatever sport it is, because we are not only focusing on basketball, although that was our obvious answer uh, and place where we started. But then we also connect families to the resources in their community to help them meet their goals. So Empowered is on the website. uh, So check us out. We also are on Instagram, although I'm not that great with Instagram. I'm learning it, (laughs) y'all, you know, one step at a time. But it's Empowered with an I and two Ds. LLC. That is absolutely fantastic, Xanthia, that you took your knowledge and you did something with it that is really powerful. Look at that. (laughs) And can help. It's powerful. Yes, we got our power. Amen. We're in power. Yes. Um, Is that something that you would open to an international student, for example, in Canada? Is that something that I can say, hey, Xanthia, you know, I have um, a Canadian player that needs help. Can I say, look, to this Canadian family, you know what, I think you should reach out to Empowered. And the reason why I'm asking that question is because people always have um, the thought process that everything happens in the U.S. So as Canadians, we tend to go to U.S. resources, so my right. question is, is Empowered, um, would, would you help Canadians um, get to that process and help them understand? Because it is a little bit different with the schooling and, st- and you know what I mean? It is a little yeah. bit different, but the end goal is the same. Absolutely. So I would say, yes, I have not done that before. But what I will say is that one of the blessings of my background is the resources and connections that I've made. So I do think I will be able to be a great resource 
for international families as well to get the information they need to transition into whatever it is they desire right. to do. One of the, the um, things that separates our program, our Empower program from other programs, and I'm not even sure of ones that are exactly like mine, right. uh, but is we help the family create the path by examining all of the dynamics and information that they need to figure it out. It's what I was trained to do as a building administrator. It's what I, I did as a school principal, take all of this information and put it into one system and churn out a process, a plan for how we can move forward and help that person be successful. That in of itself, is one of the main sources, one of the things that's been the most beneficial for the families that we work with is that specific tool, because it's literally a map. Right. It's the map they use to figure out what to do with their children to get to the next level. So absolutely, we help folks in the United States and all over. And if I don't know something, I have resources and absolutely. people to help me figure out the information so I can help people on their way by getting help from others. I know you would, which is why I posed the question, because I know you're that type of person that would just like, it doesn't matter where they come from. Yeah. You are that person I know that would help somebody else um, realize their dream if you can. So once again, if people want information, your website is www.impowered.com. Yeah. Uh, yes. So you have a younger son, Aaron, who plays yeah. um, basketball right now. And I'm sure his dream is to play in the NBA, um, just like his brother, even alongside his brother. <laughs> However, no two recruitments are alike. Can you explain right. the difference between Aaron's college recruitment um, versus Cameron's? Sure. So it's definitely different. As I mentioned, Cam got noticed really early and other people were following him when I wasn't. So <laughs> I didn't have to do anything to spark his recruitment. Whereas Aaron has had quite a, a challenging transition, if you would, uh, to college. And I'll say that because I feel like when you go through these processes, any parent who has multiple children who are at the higher level in their sport or, or in any craft, right. you, you make certain sacrifices as you're nurturing the gifts. And I would say that the person who has given up the most has been Aaron in that he's moved multiple times. He switched schools multiple times. All those things have an impact on your recruitment. So his experience has been different. And so he's having to go through the actual empowered process that we do with other families right. to help him meet his goals. And kind of to your point, we really focus on your next step. So you got to, you, you can't just jump over things. You've got to yeah. get to the next step. So what's next for him is college. So we're in the process now, just like many of the families that we work with, of Aaron getting to know programs, programs getting to know him, and him making a determination about what program works best for him. Wow. So, it, well, But it's definitely different. Um, like I said, we're, people were constantly calling me for Cameron. For Aaron, we, we get calls, but it's definitely not to the degree of Cameron. And it is one of those situations where I don't, I got to a place with Cam that I no longer took video or footage of him because by the time I got home, 
there was a highlight of his high school games yeah. and things like that. <laughs> Somebody else, I don't even know where the people were. They took the highlight. <laughs> Whereas for Aaron, who's not one of the top recruits, it's it's a much more involved process and we have to be much more strategic right. about doing it. But we're doing it and he'll be someplace. Stay Absolutely. tuned for that. It's, it's, amen. And it's going to happen, right? It's going to oh, happen. I mean, we know stories of players that weren't even thought about and here they're in the NBA today, right? So, yep. you know what I mean? So Aaron is going to get there, and he's blessed to have yourself and and and, and your husband and Cam behind him. You know what I mean? Because they men, listen, you guys, yeah, <laughs> you guys know what to do. So that can that can definitely definitely be uh, a blessing in his in his trajectory. Sure. So let's do some fun facts now. Oh, fun facts. Yes. Ooh. Let's learn some some things about Cam. What is that go-to dish that you make that he absolutely loves? Cameron is a comfort food eater, and he loves, loves, loves my macaroni and cheese. <laughs> so I make him macaroni and cheese. I make sure whenever we invite him over to dinner, I make sure that I make macaroni and cheese. It doesn't necessarily matter the meat per se, you know, he likes he likes a lot of the meat. He loves chicken um, and ribs and things like that. But he especially wants to make sure that we have the macaroni and cheese on the menu. So I make sure that happens. Amen. I listen. I'm a macaroni and cheese lover. So, yeah. Amen, Cam. I make it in the crock pot. Oh, do he you? Yes. So he likes the crock, my, my crock pot plan. So, yeah. Okay. Do you ever send him the recipe so that he can do it in? Uh... I might. I might have to kill you if I did. So I don't know. I want you to live. So yeah. I might have to keep it to myself. Living's a little good, so never mind. So, <laughs> <laughs> what was one item as a child that he could not live without? Honestly, I know it sounds cliche, but my son literally could not live without a ball. Yeah. Any ball. To oh, be honest with you, fantastic. He's really gifted with. All balls, but the basketball was was huge, was huge for him. So he definitely he could not live without it. Right. Um, I know other little kids. It's funny when Aaron came along. You know, we were young. I, I say we were young. Bob wasn't all that young. I was a <laughs> I was younger mom. I guess I was I was I think I was twenty five when I had Cameron. I don't know, but I didn't know any different because basketball was our life. You know, as I mentioned, Bob was always playing. It's just what we did. So what did we do? Of course, we gave him a ball. He loved it. So he had his ball. Well, when fast forward, Aaron and Cameron are two years, nine months apart and closer than close. Yeah. <laughs> but when we had Aaron, I remember being in church one time and Aaron must have been about four or five. And this little boy behind us was playing with these little wrestling men. And Aaron turned around. And he was crying. He wanted the little boys wrestling, man. I was like, what is wrong with you, boy? Boy, you want to take this ball, right? <laughs> All we knew to give him was a ball. We yeah. never knew our kid was actually interested in figure, you know, those little sports figures and stuff. Who knew? They're called so toys, mom. Like, Listen. <laughs> We all we knew was ball. Like that's what yeah. we did. I told you, Cam only cared about ball. So we thought that was what all babies wanted, right? Aaron was like, "Can I please have some wrestling men and a wrestling?" Men? I'm like, "Oh, okay." So we had to change up all our Christmas gifts after that. You're like wrestling men. You're grounded. So the- <laughs> Poor Aaron. All that stuff. All that stuff. 
Did you did you have a childhood nickname for Cam? And if you did, what was it? Well, he had a few nicknames. Let's see, like childhood, childhood. When he was an infant, mm-hmm. when he was an infant, I used to call him my stink wink, my stink winker. <laughs> but he was he love that. But fast forward, I remember when he was on a basketball team called Upward Upward Basketball. I think it's a it's a it's not just a program that was in our area. It's a program that's that's known nationally. But mm-hmm. it's it's it was a program that was much more um, faith based. Right. So right. He, he was he was young. I remember when they would announce your name, it was like the first time they would in this particular. It was in a church. Actually, it was in a church that had like carpet <laughs> and everything, but they had like a gym in it. And so when they were announcing your name, they would do it like you were in the league. Right. Like they would dim the lights and there would be like, you know, spotlight and all that stuff. <laughs> and so we needed to have a name for him. So we made his name. C red, the letter C dash R E D D. And his team colors were red and white. So we would say we were going to make you C red, you know, (laughs) um, like when when he played. So we used to call him C red uh, from times. And then he progressed up from C red to kill a can by the time he got into middle school and high school and started really doing well at the game. So he had a few nicknames C red and kill a can are our names from, from back in the day. Awesome. Okay. And the first one, what was it? Stinkawinkle or something? No. Yeah. That was mommy, mommy Stinky. And he would he could not stop smiling. I think to this day, if I sing it to him, he will smile. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Now we want to ask some tips or advice for our listeners. So what three tips would you give a mom who had to deal with a coaching decision that she did not agree with? Uh, for a mom, a coaching decision they don't agree with. Um, well, I, I, I think it's really important that you, as a mom or as a dad even, let the coach coach. Let the coach coach. Yeah. There, as I mentioned earlier, Bob was Ken's first coach and Aaron's first coach, coached them for many years. Uh, train them, continue training other people and coaching other people. But by the time he got to a certain age, it was time for someone else to coach them. Right. And in particular, uh, when I think about this, I, I say let the coach coach because it's a really great thing for your child to be able to learn from and be coached by someone else. And because they've been taught to listen to their parents and do what we say, it can be very confusing for them as young people. Do I go with what my mom is saying, yeah. what my dad is saying, or do I listen to my coach? So let the coach coach because under, otherwise he's got to deal with the repercussions of whatever happens with the coach. So right. that's one thing I would say is, you know, let, let the coach coach. If you have a disagreement, you said with a, if you don't agree with something. Yeah, if you, re- if you don't agree with a coaching decision that they made. A coaching decision. Um, I'm really, really big on uh, controlling what you can control. I am a controlling person by per- by nature. Uh, so it really is difficult for me sometimes to have to step back and recognize that I can't control certain things. Mm-hmm. So I would say in most cases, uh, you need to focus on what you can actually control. And in a lot of times, if it was a coach's decision, that might not be one of them. 
Yeah. Um, so be mindful of that and, and uh, recognize that. And then, um, but there is definitely a way to say and get your point across about things. So I do believe you can, you can ask, you can ask, if, you know, seek understanding. Yeah. You're not, you're not insulting. You're not criticizing. It's not your role to critique a coach's decision, but you can certainly inquire so you have a better understanding as to why they maybe made the decision that they did. Absolutely. So what advice would you give to a player about how to deal with a tough teammate? Hmm. Well, I'll go back to the control thing. Okay. You're really only in control of yourself. Right. Right. And so I would say again, control what's controllable is what your issue is something that you have control over or someone else. So if you're saying you have an issue with this player, this other this teammate of yours, I, I really think, and, and this comes from my whole life coaching background, it requires you to really take a step back and unpack what your issue is. Right. Most of the time we'll find there's a lot more of me in the issue than there is someone else. Right. It just gets projected towards someone else. So I think it's important for you to reflect and, and, and really pick that apart. Um, and that takes, that oftentimes takes intervention. Absolutely. Okay, That's why I say it comes from my life coaching background, but it also, it takes courage because it, it, it really, I mean, courage for you to examine some things within yourself and it's not always free. Yeah. Uh, so that that's um, one thing. And I only have to, do I have to do one more? Nope. Okay. <laughs> that's all I can think of right now. Hey, that's all I got. <laughs> if you could only give one piece of advice to another courtside mom, what would it be? If I could give advice to another courtside mom, I would say, honestly, you have to trust what God told you about your child. You will have so many people who will project their opinions and thoughts and ideals upon you about what you should, could, or would do. But experience, there is no better teacher than, than your own experience. So know what God told you. And I, I say this, I know what God told me about my, my son. Um, and I, I trust my experience. And the other thing I'll say, I know that was only one thing I was supposed to say, but, you know, it's important to be resourceful and get information from those who actually have it. Like I said, if you have the actual experience and information, because all these other folks, even on the media who have all these ideas and they tell you they can rank your people and one second, they're great. And the next second, they're the worst ever. Again, trust what God said about your child and, you know, really use, lean on resources of people who have been where you are or are trying to go. And which is the whole back behind Empowered. It's one of the main reasons why we, we had the company. Yeah. It's because we know that it's an, how important it is to have someone who knows where you are to help you go where they, where you're trying to go. Right. Absolutely. That is fantastic advice, Cynthia. 
Thank you so much. Today was really a blessing to spend time with you and to to learn so much about uh, about your family. I mean, I just love hearing about Cam's story and learning about Aaron and where he's going and and your family alongside your husband and what you guys are doing because you guys are going to help a lot of people. I'm sure you already have. Um, but moving forward, I know there's going to be a lot of people out there that you guys are going to help um, because it's not easy being a pro athlete and um, people do need that help. And before, yeah, before there used to be zero help. Now there's just so much help, but yeah. a lot of it is wrong. Mm, you know what yeah. I mean? Those overnight companies that just came up because you have some, I don't know, some person who just decided that they could become a consultant, never had a child who played a basketball, they've never been inside a gym, but yet they can sit there and tell people how to get to, you know what I mean, to become pro athletes, and it's wrong. So for me, I just love the fact that your company is based on your 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 family's testimony, and it really is, like, powerful what you're what you're doing so once again yeah so once again everybody if you want to learn more about empowered it is www.impowered.com yes 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 thanks so much for having me wendy this was great and i'm 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 here to help so always be blessed and be safe and we'll talk soon zen You do the same. Love ya. Love you more. Bye. Thank you for tuning in, guys. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Courtside Moms and make sure you subscribe to the podcast.